Season 1, Episode 3 of the Collective Defense Podcast, Remote Workforce Security with Trish Dixon, VP of Cyber Operations. The Collective Defense Podcast, where we are defining the next generation of cybersecurity. We are all in this together. I am Joel Bork, and this week I'm joined with my co-host, Bill Swearingen, and we are blessed with the presence of someone who has not only had a large impact on our organization, but is an international speaker at CISO conferences around the world, and is a powerful woman in the cybersecurity industry. She also used to be my boss, so I have a few fun facts about her, such as she's an incredible pool player, and I'm sure she would not turn down an opportunity to show anyone listening to this podcast up in some friendly competition after this quarantine's over. It is my honor to have a woman like you on this podcast. Thanks so much for being here, Trish. Of course, it's my pleasure. And thank you for that intro. Even the embellishments, I'll take it. (laughs) Absolutely. Now, Trish, our listeners can find you on linkedin.com slash IN slash Trish Dixon, right? That's right. So if you are listening to this, uh, connect with Trish on LinkedIn. So Trish, we're going to jump right into this week's cybersecurity news. But after that, I want to hear what piqued your interest the most and uh, grab some comments at the end. Sounds great. Cool. Great. Bill, you ready to kick it off? I'm ready, Joel. We have minute sessions today. We got a lot to cover. And at the end of each session, we're going to play this jingle. There we go. Kick it off in three, two, one. I saw a lot of posts this week about uh, risks about having remote workforce. I I don't know if you took a look at any of the, the news sources I saw there. Yeah, I absolutely did. It looks like home office networks are three and a half times more likely than corporate networks to be infected with malware. Does this surprise you at all? Not at all. I saw a lot of articles in there talking about just uh, the, the security of the home routers themselves. Uh, if they were, it seems like there are some vulnerabilities there that they're able to be leveraged uh, for attackers just attacking the, the routers themselves. Yeah, I was actually talking with an organization called uh, CyberPulse, and they were saying that something like 90% of home network uh, routers, actually we're still using the default passwords as well. And that number kind of boggled my mind. Yeah, I'm not surprised to hear it. Um, I saw another article that that said that two thirds of American workers right now are working from home. And and it looks like uh, they're they're planning on staying. That 75% were were planning on staying. (laughs) There we go. Yeah, I mean, are you gonna stay working from home? I'm going to try. Yeah, let's do it. <laughs> Me too. Hey, hey, uh, just that kind of leads into the next uh, the next news article I saw. Um, and it comes from PicoCTF.com. Mm-hmm. And, and what I saw was this is a really good opportunity for us to teach our kids about cybersecurity while we're at home. Did you have a chance to look into that at all? Yeah, I did. So it looks like they do like an annual competition. It's sponsored by Carnegie Mellon University. But then you can actually participate and go through the challenges year round. So check it out, PicoCTF.com. Dot com. It's time to teach our kids how to hack and learn about cybersecurity. I agree. Let's move on. You got it. Making, making time. So um, yeah, uh, not a big surprise, but we are starting to see the cyber attacks hitting uh, the healthcare orgs. Um, we're seeing a lot, of, uh, a, a lot of phishing attacks, those kind of things that we kind of talked about in a previous episode. Yeah. I mean, once again, we're seeing the spoofed who email addresses. We're seeing all kinds of stuff around COVID-19. And we got to remember, right, if there is information about cures, about information that could help with this crisis, it's some of the most valuable information on the market right now. Yeah, I agree. Um, So I looked a little bit into what kind of attacks that they're using, and it's pretty interesting because it it really aligns to exactly what we talked about in previous episodes. 
So it looks like uh, the, the adversaries are using uh, vulnerabilities in Office documents primarily as a delivery mechanism. So make sure that uh, that your Office systems are updated and you're not running macros um, in, in attachments. Yeah, that's what I was going to say. Maze Ransomware is also running those macros. So please don't enable macros. All right, here we go. Uh, this one was fun. This was the Airbrake dev, and this is a jailbreak for a CPAP machine. I thought this was really interesting with the shortage of ventilators on the market right now. People are getting creative. Talk to me about it, Bill. Man, hackers are going to hack, and I just love it. <laughs> I love that this shows that, uh, you know, that there are good hackers out there. So what I saw was there has been firmware released for uh, very specific model uh, models of some of the, the CPAP machines that essentially make them uh, very similar to some of the uh, the ventilators that are needed. Now, um, I went to the web, to the webpage and it looks like it's still in active development and, and there are some concerns um, that it's not actually exactly like the ventilator. And so th there may be some issues there, but I thought that this was such a creative solution to, you know, to some of the problems that we're facing. Yeah, I mean, they jailbroke it. They took off the standard functionality that was coded in by the manufacturer. And then it was literally the next closest thing to a ventilator that exists on the market. So it's better than nothing, right? I agree. And I heard that uh, this may be some of the devices that uh, Elon Musk uh, was shipping to, to some of his governments. Awesome. Yeah. And he did actually prove that he shipped those out to the hospitals, right? That's awesome. Cool. Jumping into the next topic, topic Coveware or MSYSoft uh, is actually offering completely free critical care hospitals with frontline protection from ransomware. Yeah, I looked into this. Um, this is pretty interesting. So uh, it looks like they're going to be offering up uh, technical analysis of ransomware and helping with decryption tools uh, if you are impacted. So th the reason why that's important is a lot of times um, the ransomware developers spend a lot of time and energy in developing the, the ransomware tool itself that may actually do a pretty poor job on the, on the decryption tool and it may actually cause problems. Yeah, and it says they are open to developing a decryption tool when possible, they'll also act as like your ransom negotiator, right? So kind of like your FBI negotiator in like a, a stick up situation. So really cool. Once again, it's if they have cycles to help your organization. So reach out if you have issues. Yeah, but before we move on, and hopefully I can jump in. So it is important to mention that if you are impacted by a, a ransomware, negotiation is possible. The best advice is not to not to pay, implement your recovery systems, um, you can negotiate if you absolutely have to. Okay, let's move on to the next one. Thank you for that PSA, Bill. Uh, this one is interesting. IoT devices, people are getting creative with what they're inventing. This one is IoT smart locks. So not only can you unlock it with a fingerprint, but also with like a Bluetooth app on your phone, I'm guessing. But it turns out it is not very secure. So <laughs> do you have one of these? Um, no, I, I do not. So so uh, locks um, are not something that I'm really willing to go to IoT yet. The interesting thing I found about this article was not so much that there was an insecurity in, in an IoT device, but the FTC filed a complaint against this company. To me, that, that, uh, that's a big step in regulating the security of these devices. And, and I, I really want to, I appreciate the FTC stepping in. I did look into the, into the lock itself and what some of the problems were. And it turns out that there were vulnerabilities, not only in the eye uh, of it, but also physically, you could just uh, unscrew the back. You just unscrew the back and it's going to unlock the door. That's right. <laughs> oh, that's awful. Here's your techno music. All right. Don't buy one of these IoT smart locks. Uh, that is the name of the game. So next one up was uh, Pastebin. The search bar is gone due to misuse. Bill, talk to me about what can you do with Pastebin with the search bar and why would they take it away? 
Yeah, I was really glad to see that this one uh, stayed in the news section. I, I think this is uh, important. So uh, for those that are not aware, Pastebin is a site where uh, you can pretty much paste something in there for, for later retrieval. Think of it like a, uh, an internet-facing clipboard for you to paste something. However, attackers have been using this service for years to post you know, username, password combinations, those kind of things. Um, and I was actually leveraging this tool uh, using the search bar, looking for my information or, or my company's information out there. By them removing this search bar, it's kind of hampered my ability to find threats that are, are facing me. Yeah. Now, do they have an API we can use? Do you know? They do. They, they do have an API um, and it's well documented and available. But, you know, so any of the, the scraping, those kind of things that, that I was doing is a little bit more difficult. But I, I do think that uh, this is a, a hot spot for hackers and a hot spot for, you know, stolen data to be posted. So I'm kind of glad to see that they're taking some responsibility. This one is interesting. Bill, I'll let you kind of jump into the Cyber Threat Coalition. Yeah, sure. So uh, this, uh, this website just uh, came across, I came across this website, uh, cyberthreatcoalition.org. It looks like it's a, a collective defense style collection of threats, uh, specifically uh, COVID-19 cyber threats. And it's basically a global volunteer community uh, looking to stop these actors. When you go there, you've, you find that they have uh, a, a GitHub repository showing IOCs of attackers, uh, the, the types of files that are being sent, as well as a vetted section and a new section. I thought that was pretty clever. You don't see resources like this open source very often, especially with that level of detail. Literally, there are so many new domains being generated in regards to coronavirus and COVID-19. It's hard to keep up with. So having this resource is, uh, is a plus. Yeah, I agree. If you, uh, you know, if you're in the medical field, uh, I think this is definitely something you need, you need to stop by. They also had some instructions on how to operationalize some of the threat intelligence they had. So how to implement the, the blacklist that they have in, into your, your protection system. It comes back to collective defense, right? We got to share what we have together. We are powerful. Next one is some ransomware, Ragnar Locker. Uh, I love the name. So it looks like once again, it's encrypting systems of the Portuguese multinational energy giant EDP, and it looks like they're asking for 1,580 Bitcoin. Do you know the price of Bitcoin right now? I think it's hitting 7,000. So that's no small chunk of change. Yeah, it's right over 7,000. Um, you know, and it's kind of had its ups and downs in the, in the last couple months, but yeah, it, it's up there. Yep. Looks like another instance is TravelX reportedly paid $2.3 million ransom to restore operations. And that's not going to turn ransomware attacks away, right? It's encouraging them. Yeah. Yeah, it, it actually does. But, you know, the reason why I wanted to, to talk about this one is, is I just wanted to kind of touch on that, hey, sometimes it's worth paying the ransom, right? So I agree, it certainly does, you know, encourage this type of attack to continue. But I just want to say, if, if you find yourself in that, in that situation, and you find yourself that you, you really need to get that data back, that other companies are paying, you know, it's kind of a, a hidden secret in the field that actually sometimes they, they do pay. When it's valuable information, sometimes you're going to have to pay. I don't think we're going to see these dollar amounts going down anytime soon. No, me either. Next up on the list is the San Francisco International Airport, also known as SFO. Disclosed this week, two of its websites had been hacked and led to the disclosure of some logins. I am going to throw a side note in here. I just read an article that Nintendo was also hacked, leaking 160,000 user accounts based on their older and legacy NNID, I believe. So... If you weren't using two-factor, your accounts were most likely compromised. We are up on our last one. This is the board toolkit. What do you got for me, Bill? 
Yeah, I really like this website. So what this website does, and, and this isn't brand new news, this has actually been out for a couple of years. I saw that this website, um, which is a government, a UK government website, has created a, a toolkit that, that allows you to help talk to your board about cybersecurity issues. It goes into, into great detail about what are some of the metrics that you should be gathering and sharing um, and sharing with your board of directors or, or even uh, to your, your government or whatever your, your higher authority is. That is a wrap on our weekly news. So back to you, Trish. What did you find interesting? I'm sure even that last one you might have some comments about. Oh, definitely. Any opportunity that you have, one, to make it easier for us to explain what it is that we're facing at, at the board level and translate that when when you're norm you're used to being able to talk through dollars and headcount and where are you going to be able to to translate threats in general it, when it's not tangible at all times. That's so difficult. So any opportunity that you get to to make that easier, I definitely would be on board with. You found some news that actually we hadn't even touched on. Uh, do you want to talk to us about Skype? Yeah, there's an interesting article this week from Tripwire put out that there was a lot of spoofed, spoofing of Skype web calls. And it, it really got me thinking about with everybody being remote and our extreme dependency now on a lot of these web conferencing and video conferencing capabilities that they're all free game right now. And so I know that, um, you know, Zoom, Zoom has been talked about a lot over the last several weeks. They've made um, a lot of changes and a lot of improvements. And it seems that across the board, all of them are right now being looked at as opportunities. So how, how are you going to continue to get at that remote workforce? So Zoom has been making some, some excellent changes to the security of their product. And this just highlights that other products are becoming under, uh, are coming under scrutiny. I, I will tell you that in different hacking channels that researchers are looking at some of the other platforms, you know, Skype included, but, but some of the others are, are finding some issues. So everyone should probably be aware that just because Zoom was all in the news, that doesn't mean that everything else is secure. All of their user bases are increasing three, four, five, tenfold because everyone's remote. So Trish, we had a question for you. I mean, when the notice came down from management, when this all came down the pipe and you had to take your workforce fully remote, what were your first thoughts? Yeah, I'm sure everybody had a whole string of, of thoughts that went through their heads. I know my very first one was how much I was going to miss my team. We have, a, we have an interesting culture within our operations center uh, where we thrive off of each other, we thrive off of each other's energy. You know, once you go through that moment, you snap into, we've been training for this, you know, what, what is our, our continuity planning? What, how are we going to exercise? It has everything to do with people, processes, things. Are we ready for this? And I, I would argue that if you weren't preparing and planning for that, then um, that was probably a bad day for some. And I think for some other companies that definitely have been exercising those their continuity plans, they were much better prepared to take this on. Yeah. So Trish, you know, when you think about it, you know, home networks, they're, they're interesting. Um, you know, and given the position that, that you're in for the, you know, for a cybersecurity company, I'm, I'm, I'm interested in hearing what your concerns are about the security of your employees' home networks. You know, what, what are you thinking about and what gets you uh, concerned? Yeah, I think we've, we've made a concerted effort to make sure that we are providing those blogs and those quick tips on how people can quickly secure their home networks. There's a blog on our website now that one of our analysts put together that walks you through tips on how to 
very basic and easy things that you can do right now that'll that'll quickly secure your your workforce. And then you have to determine what that new norm is. You know, everybody's dealing with the fact that they have many, many people at home now. They're trying to get through school. They're trying to do their homework. They're trying to go through their online training. And they have to adjust their normal schedules just to prepare for that and making sure that, that your network is staying secure when you have all those additional assets and users on there. Yeah, no kidding. So I think I think about my home network, right? Um, you know, and and it's funny. You know, we were kind of talking in the in the news earlier about you know the uh, the home routers and the other IoT type devices, and that kind of got me thinking about my network. How how do you feel about like IoT devices on your employees' home networks, like Google Home, Alexa? You know, just curious. Uh, how how do you feel about those devices? Yeah, you alluded to it earlier. I think I'm of this this similar mindset that I, although I don't have a lot of them on my network, I'm very well aware that many of them do. And I think that's where those those quick tips come back in, making people aware that there's easy, quick ways to secure your home network, that you can make sure that you're making those changes, make sure that you're aware of these additional assets connecting to your uh, network, understanding how to patch them and and can you patch them? Where do you patch them? Very simple things that make it very quick and easy for you to make sure that you're staying secure at home. Now that's just your employees, but I know for me, I have, I mean, my seven-year-old's on the internet now, right? So everybody who's at home is now dealing with people connected 24 hours a day. Are you seeing that same thing in your household? Absolutely. It's funny when you don't realize how many of those devices you have in in your house until everybody's at home using them. Um, It's interesting that not only are you you're stress testing your own internet access, but you're also becoming more familiar and aware with what it is that the people in your the, in your household do on a daily basis when they are connected. When they're all in your house, you're getting exposure to that. So my daughter has taken it upon herself to educate me on where all of the best anime can be found. And some of them aren't exactly on the most reputable sites. So making sure that she is aware and, uh, for better or for worse, growing up with a mom like she has, I'm constantly finding that I, I I feel the need to educate her on these things, whether she wants to hear it or not, but making sure that I'm taking the precautions to allow for her to still watch her favorite anime, but educate her on the meaning of what some of these sites are that she's going to. And that's a great point. I keep telling people, guys, you may have sat through your security awareness training this year, but the people in your household haven't, right? The kids, the other other adults in the household, or maybe even your grandma, grandpa, mom, dad, right? It's important to share this, whether they want to hear it or not. We have to be the ones to share these tips and and info to them. Can't agree more. Trish, we gave you a heads up that we're going to be kicking off a new segment of the Collective Defense Podcast, where we're going to be sharing with our listeners a collective cadence. This is going to be a tidbit of cyber knowledge that you have that delivers. So let's jump in. I don't know who you are. I don't know what you want. If you are looking for ransom, I can tell you I don't have money, but what I do have are a very particular set of skills. Skills I have acquired over a very long career. Skills that make me a nightmare for people like you. <laughs> That's great. I love it. I will find you and say, hey, it's, it's, just a, it's just a few minutes, maybe an hour out of your day. You can listen. I promise you'll learn something. But I, I wouldn't have a scary and cool voice like that to do it in. So. Now, what is one piece of knowledge that you would like to share with our crowd? Just a tidbit that delivers every single time you've done it. 
Yeah, I think um, I alluded to it earlier, but I think it's it's preparation. You know, I, I alluded to the continuity planning earlier. I know many companies, they, they talk about doing tabletop exercises, always finding the time to do it and making sure that you have the right people. But, you know, I come from a world being prior military that, that we train. We train for what we're about to get into. You practice it and you practice it often. And although we, we often tell people, you know, if you practice for a, a scenario such as internet outage, such as something not getting patched, something it, it, all the way through that grand scheme, what happens when a pandemic hits? What does your company look like? I, I think that's a, a huge, huge benefit that when it actually happens to you or your company, you're prepared. Nobody panics. Everybody goes to the policies. Everybody goes through the motions. They've trained for this. It becomes very real, very fast. You can't ever anticipate when these things are going to happen, but you can absolutely prepare for them. Now, it was interesting because I actually read an article that Disney, they said they had prepared for everything except a pandemic. But I have a little guilty knowledge. Did you guys prepare for the pandemic? We happened to prepare for the pandemic. <laughs> Ironically, we ran a tabletop exercise last year that simulated the what if scenarios. What happens if our workforce has to go completely remote? What happens if we're no longer allowed to access some of these systems? And you start to, to plan and train for that and factor that into your budgets. You know, what, what happens if you can't physically go into a location to do the updates, to do the patching, to do this? Are you prepared for that? And is your company prepared for that? And what would it take to get you there? And, and marking that out, maybe that's not a this year thing. Maybe it's a next year thing, but plan for it and be prepared for it. That's amazing that, that you were able to prepare for that. But so now that we're here, right, and now that IronNet's been functioning in this fully remote environment for about a month, what was the real life challenge that hit you? So what was the biggest challenge that, that you saw as part of this? And what kind of support did you need? And, and what did your team do? I think that's a great question. And I think IronNet as a whole, they've been extremely great during, during this time more than flexible with understanding that there's a human element behind the scenes while we have a job to do. We do have respective missions to fulfill within our, within our own rights and our own daily jobs that we're expected to fulfill. They've been over communicative. They've been telling us what's happening along the way. They understand that we needed flexibility in our days because suddenly we, we are now full-time teachers. We are now full-time caregivers, and on top of that, have jobs. Our, our corporate infrastructure and our corporate ITs, they've been phenomenal. They've been working around the clock to make sure that they quickly address anybody's issues because they know that the time that that individual may have scheduled might be at 11 o'clock at night or 2 o'clock in the morning because that's the time that they can dedicate, and we, we just were completely flexible to it. So I think it was a, a huge shout-out for the company as a whole and the team just kind of folded in together and backed each other up. That's great. And, you know, I know that IronNet is a cybersecurity company, probably had some, some chance to prepare for this. I'm curious, you know, would you mind going into what steps did you guys take just to ensure that your endpoints were protected? Now that we've got this remote workforce, so we have to have a, a fairly secure endpoint strategy. What are you doing to protect your endpoints that are, that are not behind your firewall these days? We have a fairly aggressive uh, patch policy structure. You know, we meet multiple times a week to discuss and review what vulnerabilities are new, what needs to be updated, what needs to be patched. 
we highly encourage the use of our, our VPNs required within our company. That, that secures you. You know that you have our security controls and our backing behind you at any time once you're connected and prepping for what it looks like if we need to remotely touch your system in the event that something is going wrong. How are we gonna be able to communicate with you and walk you through how to troubleshoot that? If it goes completely awry, are we able to take you offline and in a remote environment to be able to then get your system back up and running as quickly as possible and get you back to work? All of those things, again, we, we've built in those capabilities, we've built in that redundancy and we practice for the what if scenarios. What if what if what if half my workflows, my workforce is then lost? How do we restore them? How long does it take? You go through all of what those call those maintenance and recovery plans, and you test them. And even if you're dependent on any cloud services, third-party services that you might be using, they might have service-level agreements that say they can have you back up and running within X amount of time. Test it, evaluate it when it's not in a crisis. Have them restore all of a project. Have them restore something that you accidentally deleted. Just walk them through the process so that you now know that it actually takes them four hours or it takes them three days. So you can plan and prepare for that so you can have a backup plan. Well, and that's one of the things, Trish. Testing SLAs is so easy to do, but it's also so easy not to do. That's a great plug for what security teams can do to help secure their endpoints can you talk to me a little bit about, you, you said there was an article on your website. Can, can you tell our listeners where they can find it and what they can do to help secure their devices from home if they're not part of the security team? Absolutely. So again, back to securing your home networks and making sure that um, there's tons of articles out there that tell people you need to be securing your home network. And what if you don't know or even where to start? You know, and, and that's sometimes that's very humbling when you work at a cybersecurity company and we're dealing with what we deal with on a daily basis and you come home and you're staring at your router like, well, what do I what do I do with this? You know, if you go to ironnet.com, uh, the article written by one of our analysts, they, she spells it out pretty easily. There's very, there's step-by-step instructions, very quick wins that you can do where you just, you know, you change your default passwords for when they initially configured it. Uh, you change the name of what your Wi-Fi is. It isn't just, hey, Trisha's house or the block or the street that I live on. You know, you, you make it a little bit more obscure so it's not so easy to find. There's very simple things, a, a quick configuration change where you're not sharing Wi-Fi. You know, that's something, share, you know, they say sharing is not always caring in this particular situation where this isn't something that you want somebody to easily connect to. So how do we find that article? Um, it's on our public website at ironnet.com. If you go down, we have news articles and blogs posted right there on the on the splash page. If you click on those uh, recent news releases and blogs, you'll see not only the article that Melody put together, but quite a few articles leading down some of the analytics that we run and uh, some of the deep dives that we've taken into recent malware events. Trish, you know, just uh, kind of piggybacking on the, on the last question that, that I asked, you know, when we're, when we're taking a look at how we protect, um, you know, our company and our company's data, it seems to me that probably if companies had prepared, they probably are, are preparing against external threats, right? So how do I protect these systems, you know, my, my endpoints from, from external threats and malware, et cetera, in that tabletop exercise that you did or, or what, you've, what you've implemented to, to check on insider threats? Like, so now that we've got a remote workforce, I, I assume that uh, the access to our data is, is now dispersed. Curious around your thoughts there. 
You know, I think that's a great question and something that you have to think about because your mindset changes when you aren't working so closely together. There's tons of training around how do you recognize insider threat? What are the indications? A lot of it has to be with, a lot of it deals around the human element of it, recognizing patterns. How does that person normally behave? Are they acting differently? Did something bad happen in their life? And us all being remote now, it's almost more difficult to have that level of connection and understanding of what that person's normal is to even know if they're acting abnormally. Um, I think that's critical that we start flipping that of our thinking of it. What are normal traffic patterns for this individual? You also have to weigh in that not everybody's life um, is now nine to five, right? They, they may be the one that is now um, accessing the, the internet and doing their work at two o'clock in the morning. You have to establish those trends and define what those new norms are. And it becomes more and more critical that role-based access is a core part of your business function. If there's, if there's a set um, limitations of data that an individual needs to do their job, make sure that you audit that off and make sure you're checking it. Review it quarterly if you can. Uh, is, is the job that they're doing today the same one that they were given a year ago when they started at the company, because when they started a year ago, they may have access to all kinds of data that they no longer need in their new role. That's something that people don't tend to think about is when you move people around in a company, that maybe their roles and their accesses need to change as well. And that's something that we should continuously audit. So Trish, thank you so much. I feel like I could talk to you all day about this topic. Uh, and I really appreciate you, sh- you coming on and sharing your expertise with us today. Uh, hey, Joel, do you have any closing thoughts for today? Trish, I want to thank you again so much for joining us. You are fantastic. And we hope you'll join us again on here soon. Um, I did want to let everybody listening know that this podcast is also now available on Spotify and also the Apple podcast application. So remember to subscribe, throw your reviews on there. All right. Thanks, Joel. And just like that, this is the end of episode three of Collect Defense, the remote workforce security with Trish Dixon. Thank you, everybody.